So, um, I guess we're running the experiment still, and I was, was assigned over here. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll teach from here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, um, so, the name of this little session is about guided meditations. But the word meditation is, uh, can be for some people a, a uh, hot topic, uh, something that doesn't work for them. It uh, elicits all kinds of ideas of being part of a cult and you're being there, you know, and it's dangerous. It's, and there are people who will think of it as the work of the devil, literally. If you show up and say, you know, would you like to do a guided meditation? Or I do meditation and, and you know, they pull out their cross to protect themselves. And so, so the word meditation, it, you have to be sensitive. In Bay Area, more people are appreciative of meditation. It can be a neutral word, but it can also be a word which will be very off-putting for people. Um, so the word, to, to call it guided meditation is optional. It could just as be well be called a guided exercise, a guided reflection, a guided exploration, a guided inquiry. Someone uh, brings something to you, and they, they are asking some question, they have some concern, they have some aspiration, they're trying to deal with something. And, um, and uh, you could say, well, would you like to do a little guided inquiry with, uh, in this, where I kind of help you find your way with it? Would you like to um, uh, do a little bit of uh, gu- uh, guidance into finding what resources you have inside that will support you as you leave the hospital? And so you, kind of, you can avoid the word meditation. And that also opens the field up for you as well to think of it as a much wider uh, kind of technique or approach uh, that helps uh, a patient than just if it was just meditation itself. The advantage of calling it a meditation, especially if, you're, uh, if somehow they find out you're a Buddhist chaplain or you have a Buddhist background, is Buddhism is often associated with meditation. And so it can be, feel kind of natural to, um, you know, for someone to hear that from you, oh, you're interested in a little guided meditation. You know, it seems like, yeah, you're, yeah I can see, you're, you're telling me you're agitated, I can see you're pretty agitated, and you're worried about what's coming and the next, you know. And uh, we could do a little guided relaxation if you'd like. And then again, you, do, you can avoid the word meditation, but a little guided, you know, I'll guide you to a little relaxation exercise if you'd like. And, um, and so there's an infinite uh, a number of meditations, guided things you can do. Um, and um, almost any meditation practice can be guided. Um, I think of, of prayer can also have a little sense that you're guiding someone in the prayer. You're connecting them to something that's meaningful uh, to them. You're, uh, you're introducing something that you think is beneficial. You are then... Um, summarizing it, you're blessing it, or acknowledging it, or having some wishes for how it's going to go forth after the prayer. And the whole thing is kind of a, is a process, a little journey that you're taking them on. And there's these different steps. So the same thing with meditation. <coughs> there can be a little journey you're going to take them on that um, may be a supportive for them. The difference between prayer and meditation, uh, or something where you ask them to close their eyes and they become more internal, is that um, some people don't have the psychological ability to tap into what's going on inside. 
they might have a lot of trauma, they might have a lot of woundedness, they have might psychological instability, um, they might uh, have a lot of emotions that are buried under the surface, and they're not comfortable having starting to cry in front of you or anybody. And so you have to be a little bit careful also that, you're, you know, some Buddhists are kind of quick to want to do meditation with people. Uh, so you have to be careful and really assess the person whether it's appropriate. But it is a wonderful approach. It, is, it can do a tremendous benefit to people. Uh, I've done it for people in hospitals. I've done it, uh, I do it to a lot of people who come here. Um, and it has a lot, there's a lot of reasons to do it and a lot of benefits for it. Uh, so one, one of the reasons to do it is um, it uh, helps people relax. And many people could use that. Um, it can help inspire people by somehow not just telling them a nice story or reminding them of something, but help them to connect to some inspiring quality that they really find valuable. Um, maybe they even told you what it is, and then you kind of give them a more visceral, maybe even embodied connection to it by doing a little bit of guidance uh, through, uh, with it. Um, very occasionally, I think as a chaplain, probably this is not something that's going to happen too often, but you could uh, ask them to uh, use it as a way, an alternative way of getting them to um, uh, resolve some issue. It's not uncommon for someone to come to the chaplain and say, I have this big problem with my, my siblings, and we've been fighting for a long time, and I'm trying to decide whether to do X or Y, and I don't know what to do. What should I do? <laughs> and, you know, as chaplain, you might not want to tell them what to do, uh, but you might want to say, oh, well, I don't know. I'm, it's not my role to tell you what to do here. But uh, there is a way sometimes by having a deeper connection to the, the issue yourself, within yourself, that maybe you get some clarity on it. If you want, we can do a little guided relaxation exercise where I'll kind of ask the question, you know, do you do X or do Y? And then just see what comes up. And, uh, you know, there's no agenda here and anything might come up, but maybe it'll help you give you a little clarity to have a little different state of mind to address it. And, uh, and that you know, can be relatively benign to do that because you're not telling them anything. You're just trying to support something to come up for them. Um, it can also change how people feel. If someone's really anxious, they're getting ready for surgery. If they're really anxious about who's coming to visit them or co- they're really angry with uh, the medical staff and they're trying to cope with it and it might be that they don't want to be angry and they're asking you, what can I do about my anger? I know that I shouldn't be angry. Or, you know, they have some wisdom about it. And, but I'm still angry. What can I do? You're not going to do psychotherapy on them with their anger. anger. But you might uh, say, oh, uh, we could do a little gu- a guided exercise that maybe can help settle the anger a little bit. And, uh, and so then maybe you do a little guided mindfulness around the anger. Very light, uh, but maybe make space for it and open up for it. And, and maybe it settles. Maybe you do a little guided uh, loving-kindness meditation. I've I've been with people for whom it was not useful for them in the context in which they were in for them to be angry. And then I've done a guided uh, loving-kindness meditation in order to shift the energy, shift the emotions that are there so they were in a place that was more useful for the situation that they were in. Um, And then that kind of what I said already, it helps to access deeper kind of knowing, deeper places where they can know something that they don't know in their, you know, cerebral mind if they're thinking a lot. And and, uh, sometimes it's helpful to people tap into deeper knowing. Um, um, 
And then also it's uh, kind of similar to all this. Is, uh, it's a way of evoking people's imagination. And sometimes people's imagination is very uh, wise. And so, you know, it's so, so simple. You know, it could be like a guided journey. Very, very simple. Because in, in a hospital setting, people you don't know, you, you don't want to get too complicated or too ambitious. Um, but, um, you know, you close your eyes. And um, can you imagine a nature scene where you could imagine that the two, you and your siblings could sit and around on a park bench or something? And if you did that, what kind of conversation would you have? That seems pretty innocent to me, just kind of like, kind of in their imagination, you know, park scene as opposed to, you know, in the hospital room where it's kind of drab or something. So it's a way of changing the things enough, you know, it's a way of being suggestive, suggesting things that uh, change things enough so that they have access to another perspective, another emotional stance, another energetic way of being, some, something else that, uh, that uh, sometimes can, they can get access to a lot faster then if you, um, you know, you, you should relax. <laughs> you know, that's not going to do much good. Um, the, um, so in, um, in doing a meditation with people or in some kind of guided thing, uh, some of the same steps you would use for deciding what kind of prayer to do, you would do for that. Uh, you really want to m- make sure you get the information from them, really hear them out first and hear what's the situation, what the context is. You want to, uh, it's good to understand what they want as opposed to what you want. Um, uh, you know, uh, hopefully you're not like me, but I imagine some of you can easily be that um, sometimes I quickly know what people should do. I quickly know what, I should, what they should be told, right? And I've learned to not be quick in t- saying that. And, and, when I, and I've learned that if I'm not quick, usually something else will come out that's better. That's better than whatever I thought was going on. So my track record is not so good for, the, you know, sometimes for the first impressions. So to wait, f- get more information, find out what's going on, and ask them what their aspiration is, what they're trying to d- resolve, what they're dealing with, uh, what they're hoping for. Um, uh, what would be, ask them what would, be, what would be valuable, what would be helpful for you, you think, and I could do a little guided relaxation. I could do a little guided meditation. What do you think would be useful to tap into or open up to or something? So uh, do, do, do your due diligence to find out, you know, what is it that would be good for them? And, and that's also partly a way of getting their, uh, um, their permission. Uh, if they really feel like they've been included and you really try to learn from them and they feel like you respected them, you cared for them, you got to know them, uh, then it's easier for them to give you permission to do it. And there should be, if you can do something like a guided meditation, guided exercise, guided inquiry or something, there should be so, some clearly implicit or explicit permission that you're going to do that. So you, wanna, you don't just say, okay, now we're going to do a meditation. They have to kind of, you know, feel like this is something that they want to do. Um, and, you know, so there are many kinds of, many, many kinds of meditation. I mean, it's infinite. And uh, if you get used to doing guided meditations, the guided inquiries, all that, uh, you'll still probably, uh, not too long, start getting pretty creative around it. But there are books, you can see, it's relatively easy to find books that have lots of guided meditation, different kinds in them. And, uh, and if you're not comfortable giving a guided meditation, 
Um, you can get some of these books with gui- or probably on the web you can find guided meditations that you can and, um, and read them to someone read them to your friends so you ask, see if you can find someone and uh, when I was uh, uh, first beginning to do guided meditations um, I read some of Stephen Levine's guided meditations and I was initially thought this is not going to work you can't just read a med- guided meditation and uh, lo and behold it worked, <coughs> it worked great for people people loved it and uh, so um, you might, you know, find some and practice by reading them if that helps you and in getting into it. Yes. Jack Cornfield has uh, a lamp in the darkness. What? He has what? A lamp in the darkness. Lamp in the darkness. It has lots of guided meditation. Yeah. Jack Cornfield's lamp in the darkness book. Uh, it might be a little bit dated now, but uh, you know, 30 years ago, I was very inspired by the books by Stephen Levine and all his guided meditations. And. Um, you know, and, and uh, what's nice about Stephen Levine, a little bit in the kind of medical setting, is he has particular um, books on guided meditations for uh, illness and for death and dying. And uh, some of them are quite, when I, mean, when I read them 30 years ago, were quite powerful. And um, the, um, I've known people who have uh, recorded themselves reading someone's guided meditation and then played the recording back for themselves. So, so you can practice with yourself. Um, and it, it could be as simple as, um, you know, just uh, like I did this morning, uh, it, you know, just relax your body and just tune into your breathing a little bit. And s- the fact that you're accompanying them in something as simple as just, let's just be together with your breathing for three, four minutes. And I'll remind you every, you know, 30 seconds to remember to breathe mindfully. Um, in three or four minutes, that's enough to some, some people to have a shift. And it doesn't have to be more dramatic than that. Uh, in fact, it, what, there's a, something I call the, um, the, um, the three-breath journey. And that is, uh, you have people just uh, uh, follow three breaths in a row. And most people will have some shift. If they really do that for three breaths, will have some kind of shift that's beneficial. And so it doesn't have to be so dramatic what you're going to do. And you could even call it, that, you know, I'm going to... Let's do the, th- you're so anxious right now. Uh, let's do the three breath journey and see what happens. You know, so let's just sit quietly. Why don't you just kind of hang out with three breaths, inhale and exhale. And then when they come out of it, you say, How, what was that like? Was there any shift? And when I've done that with people, most people make, will indicate there's some shift that goes on. And then you could do it again, you know. Or you could do it for three minutes or four minutes. It doesn't have to be a lot, what you do in this setting. Um, but you should be clear about why you're doing it, <coughs> what your intention, h- how it serves the person. Occasionally, I, uh, I don't know about the hospital setting or prison, but prison I think I would probably do this. Um, I do it in some settings. Uh, I found guided meditations a, a useful way of taking control of a situation that was out of control. Uh, a group of people were arguing, were tense, you know, like you know, couldn't get the edgeways in and to continue somehow in that mode, I didn't have the understanding of how to shift it, change it, make it into something better. And so uh, I said, I would bring a bell and say, I, I think right now is a good time to take do a little bit of a meditation. I'm going to do a little guided meditation with you and like to do love and kindness or something. And, uh, and, and I've done this with individuals as well. I do, sometimes I've done here in this room here, one-on-one meetings with people. And... I had no control over the situation. And it wasn't like I need to have control, 
but um, I need to be part of the picture. <laughs> I don't want to just, you know, you know, sit there for an hour and uh, it's a wild, you know. Sometimes I sit there and just listen to people, but sometimes I feel this is not useful. And so then I'll, I'll somehow say, excuse me. I think that, you know, uh, a good thing to do at this, you know, is I forgot to do it at the beginning of, the med- of our meeting, but it's good to st- you know, start a meeting with 10 minutes of meditation. So how about if we do that and I do a little guided meditation for a while? And, uh, and so that's, uh, occasionally that's been clearly my way of getting control of the situation. Insert myself, change it, so that I could participate, so I could be part of the conversation rather than just a victim of the conversation or what's going on. <laughs> and um, so, but you, said you should clearly know why you're doing it, you know, what your intention is you do it. And then it's very important uh, to uh, watch the person in a relaxed way as they're there, keep track of them. But generally, if you ask people to close your eyes, uh, they, don't, they don't like the idea that uh, you, they're closing your eyes, but you're not. So I don't know if this is uh, quite appropriate, but this is what I do. I'll say, let's close your eyes, and I'll close my eyes when I say that, and then I'll open them again. And, uh, and the reason for that is that it's very important to take the cues of what's coming back from you, from the person. Uh, you want to be able to, if you want to be responsible for the impact the meditation has, you have to actually watch the person see what's going on. If it looks like they're getting emotional, maybe teary, if they're getting uh, way too restless, then maybe you want to stop the meditation. But if you're keeping your eyes and tuning in and doing it with them kind of, so you really tune in and do it, you might be, be uh, missing the important information that uh, is going on. And uh, you are, it's a, it's, you're responsible for the situation. You're kind of opening this area. So you have to kind of track people. It doesn't mean you stare at people. Uh, sometimes when I've done guided meditations with people, um, I'll look just over their shoulder, just kind of up into the, the sky. I'm not, looking, not focusing on anything in particular, but I am kind of in a loose kind of peripheral vision, tracking what's going on for them. And sometimes I'm looking much more clearly and watching their body language and what's going on. Um, but generally, beginning with some relaxation, uh, and maybe that's all it is. It could also be, um, once you do some relaxation, it could be uh, evoking some particular quality. Um, it could be uh, loving-kindness and do a little loving-kindness practice. It could be asking them, uh, like I did this morning, I asked you what, what did I ask this morning? I asked, um, uh, go back and think of some time in your life where you had some feeling of contentment or purity or goodness that you associate with being ethical. And um, so you can ask something similar. We know if someone felt tells you they really feel like they need to be strong because they're going to have this difficult conversation with their family. And then you say, okay, well, let's do, you want to do a little guided meditation on you know, connecting to your strength. So close your eyes. And first of all, I'll, I'll, well, I'll ask you to close your eyes. I'll then gu- help you to relax a little bit. And then I'm going to guide you a little bit to see if you can um, tap into your own s- an, uh, feeling of strength. Is that, would that be okay? And they say yes. Okay, and so then you close your eyes. Spend a couple of minutes getting them to relax. And then, um, then do something that, is, that reminds them about their strength. You could ask the same question I asked. Have you ever in your life remembered a time that you felt really strong? And uh, what, can you remember the scene, the situation? What was it like physically? What's that like for you? Can you remember what the feeling was like? Or you can go more directly and say, where in your body 
uh, is there some place in your body that you associate with strength? And some people will say, I don't understand. And then you can say, well, is it in your little toe? No. Is it in your ankle? No. And then they'll say, well, you know, it's in my torso. Then, then uh, most people, when I do this, when they say, well, it's in my torso. <laughs> and they, they're able to narrow it down at least to that. And that's close enough. And then, like, how does it feel in your torso? And is it? And you can ask very, very general, vague questions um, so that, you know, they don't feel like it's right or wrong. But you can get questions and get them more in touch with it or in contact with it, that sense of strength, if that's what it is. And then breathe with it and feel it and and then maybe spread it through your body. Or there's all kinds of things you can do once you've they've touched into it. And that's maybe enough. And then maybe end by saying, we're going to end now, but uh, as we end, um, you might want to kind of uh, see if you can get a visceral memory of what it's like to be strong this way so that when you have this difficult conversation, you can call on that memory and touch into that part of your body. And maybe then you will be stronger in that situation. So there's many things you can do. And, um, and I think there's going to be this little write-up I did here. Um, um, oh, I, you know, uh, I, I, it's useful, important to uh, do a guided meditation in a, um, um, in a voice that's supportive for meditation, a voice that supports what you want to try to do. Apparently, this is not uh, obvious to everyone. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, some people will kind of bark their instructions or just, you know, you know, that, you know uh, but you really want to uh, usually uh, talk slower, have more space between your words or between what you say. Uh, some people who are a little anxious in giving guided meditations will go a little too fast. Uh, I remember once a meditation teacher, a colleague of mine, had like a, I don't know, a double espresso before doing a guided meditation. And it, it was like, it was like quite a wild ride. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how effective it was for everyone listening, but it was quite something. To, and um, so, you know, you want to really, you know, kind of talk in a way that is relaxing and supportive. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting to do um, in terms of a guided, in, guided inquiry or gro- is you can also sometimes ask them uh, to give you feedback back. How's it going now? What are you experiencing right now? How's that? You know, are you feeling more relaxed right now? And with your eyes closed, can you tell me, are you a little bit more relaxed than you were? And they'll say yes. And they say, well, where in your body do you feel that relaxation? And they say, oh, I feel it in my shoulders. I say, great. Maybe uh, feel a little bit more in your shoulders. Maybe breathe with your shoulders and hang out with it. And so you kind of uh, augment or support or maybe uh, let it be a little bit bigger because you're starting to get a little bit of feedback. And that feedback can then you, you point them more in that direction or helps you out with that way. Um, and then the last minute of a meditation, I think it was guided meditation is, is very important. It's kind of like a, a golden opportunity to drop some helpful words in. It could be some encouragement. It could be some blessing. It could be uh, some appreciation of them. Um, you know, most people don't get enough appreciation, especially in that kind of setting. And so say, oh, you did really well. That was wonderful what you did. And, or, or, 
you know, I, you know I, I really appreciated meeting you and I can feel all this goodness in you. Or I see there's a lot of strength in you or, you know, you do have wisdom or something. Uh, you know, you, you, each person you're going to say something different, but can you say something that's encouraging for the person, supportive for the person? And, um, and uh, you know, some little, just dropping some words. It doesn't have to be, uh, it can be a little bit of a declarative statement. You don't have to justify it with footnotes because that that's going to detract from the impact. But it's a time you can drop something in that might be supportive and helpful. And then, uh, especially if they feel quiet, you want to you want to uh, be slow and bring them out of meditation. Just do, do it step by step. You know, like uh, this morning with you all here, I had you, um, you know, breathe a little more deeply, feel your body, feel the room. Remember you're here, and then when you're ready, open your eyes. And when they open their eyes, you want to be. Uh, if some people are nervous, that the, the, you know, the chaplain might be nervous, and they'll quickly want to say something. How was that? Or, you know, just take your time and kind of take your cues from them about who speaks first and when the right time is to speak. So those are just some guidelines. And I, I think, I, I suspect many of you have done this before, some guided meditations or have experienced them and done meditation. So some of this is not new. And, um, and um, so what I thought was to have you do it to each other. What I have in mind, I don't know if we're still in a even or odd number here, but to um, pair up with s- someone else, and um, and each of you will have a chance to be the chaplain, and each of you will be yourself. And when you're yourself, share with the chaplain. You want to, you know, help the chaplain, you know, because this is chaplains need help sometimes. <laughs> so uh, choose some challenge you have in your life these days that you feel comfortable sharing. And uh, uh, talk about your challenge and the chaplain can, you know, ask questions or be a, be a chaplain with that. Talk about it, explore it, get to know. And at some point, uh, the chaplain uh, feels like there's enough information or enough connection and established a rapport that it might be appropriate to ask, should we do a little guided meditation around this? And then offer a guided meditation uh, in support of this person in relationship to this challenge they talked about. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And um, I think what we will do is, um, uh, I think that uh, each person should, uh, each of those little conversations should take about eight minutes for the whole thing including the meditation. So we're not talking about a, a big thing here, but um, so just eight minutes, and uh, I'll ring a bell after eight minutes, and then we will, um, then you can switch, and then the other person can do it, and then you'll take a, just a couple of minutes to debrief together about it, and then we'll come back together and it, as a big group. So any questions? And um, so let's see what happens if there's a, odd number and what is the wise thing to do. So why don't you, if you can pair up and if you don't find, if you don't find um, someone easily, why don't you walk towards me and then if, uh, then we'll find out quickly whether there's an uh, odd number here or not. So go ahead. So find someone and and start.
<laughs> so, logistical kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a couple of minutes here. So let's get we gather, and while we're gathering, I found this on the floor just right here. Anybody lose an earring? The black little drop. Black drop earring. Anybody recognize? Remember her? I don't recognize earrings. They're not. They're not in my field of concern. <laughs> okay. Christina, you know? Oh, Christina. Oh, she did. I did, did notice that she had gold earrings. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Okay. Oh, and then exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Microphone. Oh. Uh, what did you? Was it around? Right there by the floor. Okay. So let, let's sit. We only have a couple of minutes here. Uh, can we have? Uh, a few statements that are maybe three to four s- words long. It's very brief. It's just a few a random kind of different impressions of what it was like to do that little exercise. And uh, let's, let's just get the mic. Powerful mm-hmm. um, to be on both ends. Um, on the receiving end, um, I was just surprised. It It, it really... There was a shift. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Dal did a great job. And um, just a quick thing. I, th- I feel like previously I had this idea like, oh, there are these kind of set different guided meditations, and yes, they can be adapted, but I feel like the way you introduced us to it, it was truly about meeting a patient or you know person where they're at and really trying to do some deep listening about really how we can tailor it to truly best serve them. So Great. I appreciated that. Great. Nice. Yeah, it was like a prescription, the way you described it. You know, <laughs> you gave them the cure. <laughs> Guided meditation a day keeps the doctor away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes, he's he's trying to give it away. away. (laughs) (laughs) Please, someone else. It'd be nice to hear a few, a couple of more. Um, I really enjoyed it. It kind of gave me more confidence that maybe I can meet somebody's needs and be able to guide them in a way that's appropriate for them that mm-hmm. really meets uh, where they're at yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay yes one last one then can you give it uh, just real quick my at the end of it my partner when she guided me said that she felt nervous that she didn't do a very good job and I was like I totally felt like she did a great job. So we had totally different opinions at the end. Yeah. And in that short time, it was really helpful just to have someone like bring some stuff out. And so, yeah. It helps when you do this that uh, you call upon whatever confidence you can. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, even if it's a little bit pretending uh, for the purpose of, of you know help supporting people. The um, the other thing, you know, you know, it's you, you know, it's it is changing people a little bit, or having some idea of changing their state or how they are. <coughs> so, care, respect uh, is important. Not using it to manipulate people. Not using, it, doing it in order to get the effect that you want. 
You know, you feel like a good chaplain always leaves everyone smiling, and so you, it's important to get them to, you know, into a state, and you're responsible, and then you can pat yourself on the back. Got that? Got? I nailed that one. <coughs> you know, th- what? That's not the goal. That's not the goal. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, so this is, you know, care with all this. I, I say all this and preface what I'm going to say next. <coughs> uh, conversations with people can, without anybody talking, without them being guided meditations, can have some of the same guided qualities. The things that you bring up in the conversation, things you ask them, uh, can begin shifting things in a different direction. So, for example, someone is uh, you know, really furious that the warriors lost the basketball game yesterday and it's like really bad and you know and, and they're going on and on and um, and uh, and so you know, it, it, you, you know there's no inroads you know no way you know something doesn't seem right right here and so you ask them a question oh so you, oh, you really like you, oh, you, this must you must really like the warriors you're shifting the conversation shifting the energy of the conversation as long as it's about their losing it's a lost battle for you but if you say, oh, you must really like the Warriors. Have you always enjoyed uh, uh, basketball? And, you know, wh- what is it you really like about it? What do you enjoy about it? And you're interested in them, but you're, you're intentionally, you're trying to change the direction of the conversation and maybe even change their mood a little bit so that it's more useful f- to make a deeper connection to the person or support the person. Um, Something so so you're co- uh, <coughs> don't underestimate that what you bring up and the kind of questions you ask can also begin creating a beneficial shift for people, and so what you kind of are doing and you know and maybe on a more obvious level the guided meditation can be done more subtly and appropriately sometimes in the just in the conversation you're having, and um, you know and you can say some of the same things you can say oh. Um, uh, so, so you really like the warriors, and you've been doing it for a long time, and it goes back to your spending time with your dad, and and uh, how did that feel for you to have that father-son time, and and you know it must have felt kind of cozy in your body. Where you know what was it like, and you have memories, and and you know and you c- they're kind of beginning to relive it in a way, and and then eventually you maybe can so oh, so oh it's nice to nice to meet someone who likes the warriors, and what else is going on for you? Anything you want to talk about? You know, so then they're ready for maybe something that's different. Um, so, okay, that's enough for me. So there's a couple of announcements, I think. So, Joanne, you had something first. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, is there a microphone around? Thank you. I sent out an email over the Google group um, suggesting or inviting people to join Joanna and I to dinner. And so we found a location. And um, of course, Google, oh, Yelp went and lost it on me. Ah, so sorry. Let's see. It's a very close. It's in walking distance. It's called Zadna, Z-A-D-N-A. It's at um, twenty-six fifty-three Broadway. Twenty-six fifty-three Broadway, and it's like a eight-minute walk or yeah. four-minute drive. It's Mediterranean, has vegetarian options, and counter service, so you go up and you order, and then you, they'll bring it to you. So we thought that would be the easiest way to have dinner. There's a, there's a, pla- there's a place right next door, almost next door to that. Mm-hmm. that I, don't know, I, I don't know, I've never eaten there, but I don't know if that's really like a comfortable place to hang out and talk. Mm. 
It might be a teeny little kind of diner feeling that's, I don't know. Too small? Maybe. Mm. But just, just before that, on the corner of El Camino and, um, and Broadway, mm-hmm. is a Bangkok Bay, Thai food. And the advantage of Bangkok Bay is it tends to be quieter. And so if people have conversations and all that, it's a nice place to go to, to converse. So I mean, you can go there and see what this Mediterranean place is like. And they're right next to each other. They're almost next to each other. Okay, great. So um, let's just plan to meet there, I guess, between 5.15 and 5.30. Um, yeah. And then the other question is, uh, I think it'd be good for the people who are going to San Quentin to see who you are. So could you st- maybe, st- maybe st- the San Quentin people stand? Because, you know, you'll have a chance to meet again a week, you know, here for our class a week before going to San Quentin. <coughs> but uh, in case you want to carpool or, you know. San, Qu- San Quentin. San, only San Quentin. Stand up. Soledad, sit down. <laughs> Can we do both? No. You can. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, and then you had, a, you had something you wanted to do too? I can't bring my cell phone into the jail, but they have kindly downloaded some of them for me onto CDs, and I do use them. They're just wonderful, compassionate, whatever you want, but I really recommend this. And it records all the meditation you do, you know, how many per month, average, and stuff, but Insight Timer is a free Great, great, wonderful. Insight Timer. timer. Great. Okay. And okay. So, so we do it. We need to. Good. I think it's a, it's a, it's enough because we need to end. So, uh, and you need to go, I guess. So, uh, I will send out information uh, to the Google to the to the Google group about uh, Soledad, so you'll see clearly, it'll say Soledad, so it's relevant for you all. And, uh, and then later I'll send out for information for San Quentin. And um, would anybody like to do a dedication of merit? Just before that, yeah. I want to say that I would like to carpool to Soledad. Does other people want to carpool? I have a car. <laughs> dedication of merit? Please. What did I give myself into? Um, just to take a moment, um, just uh, feel your feet on the floor, and take a deep breath, another deep breath. And let's take all the positive, loving energy that we've created here today. the life-giving, the life-creating, the life-sustaining, wonderful healing energy. Take that energy and move it into the community, to the restaurant that people are going to, to Redwood City. All our healing energy that we've created here today into California and the United States and throughout the world.
we dedicate a merit of our work today to ourselves and to the world. Thank you very much. Thank you all very much. And so the last thing to do is to reset up the room, just put it back in place. And